Father, we express our heart, Lord, to you. That is that you are a king. Father, you are the one who has saved us. You are the one who sustains us. And you are the one who will be calling us home. Lord, to see things that we could not ever imagine. And Lord, we want to just ask that as your word is taught this morning, that you give us a glimpse of that. Lord, we know that salvation is a work of your Spirit. And Lord, we pray that your Spirit would move powerfully, powerfully among us this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, this is Communion Sunday, and on this Sunday we do a series that's separate from the Gospel of Mark. We're doing a series on Communion Sundays dealing with the Lord's Prayer. And one of my favorite sections is scheduled for this Sunday on forgiveness. And I really, really wanted to do it. But people told me, Martin, you're on vacation. You're going to be preparing a message on vacation. Yeah, but well then, what am I going to have them do? And I realized God was saying, Martin, you're cherry picking. You're taking the best stuff for you. <laughs> and I said, okay, Lord. And I thought, well, Lord, who would you have to do this to preach this message? And I thought of Jim D'Angelo right away. Jim was a man who has been with us for a couple of years Nothing but respect. He was saved back in 2000 um, and a former employee of Weyerhaeuser. And he is just a man who has wisdom beyond his spiritual years. And it's a great privilege to have him. But let me pray for you right now. Father, may you speak through my brother in a profound way the wisdom that you have taught him by your spirit. And Lord, that he has sought to live out throughout his life. And we commit him to you, Father, and may you speak into our lives as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Well, it's exciting to be up here. Uh, I was mentioning earlier when we were preparing the mics that I hadn't been up and preached in front of a crowd in nine years. That's a long time. The last time I did it, I gave a, a testimonial about my conversion and making Jesus Christ Lord of my life. And I'm excited about this because forgiveness is something that we all receive as Christians in Christian community. And we get the profound opportunity to understand not only how God forgives us, but how forgiveness frees us to live a life for Him. So this morning it's about praying like this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that's a profoundness. It's a continuation of our, of our faith from that conversion. All right, the prayer goes like this. Now, I don't know how many of you um, had the opportunity of learning this as children, probably many of you. And we all, we all learned to say it, wrote, you know, what, what, what do we say? He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What an incredible model for each of us to pray. Talks about 
honoring our, our Father in heaven, to, to turn our lives over to Him, to put Him first, to trust Him for our sustenance, our very being, our food, our clothing, to be dependent on Him and not on ourselves. And today we're going to talk about the other piece of that. It's called forgiveness. Now, what I'd like to do, let's just pray now. Let's open up this, this part of it. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you, Lord God, to open our hearts to your message so how profoundly it is that we have been forgiven so much and that you also ask us to forgive. Lord, I hope, I, uh, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be soft, that you would speak to us as we go through this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one of, the, one of the things that I got to do is Martin gave me his uh, seminary papers on the Lord's Prayer, and I had the profound privilege of reading them. He actually got a good, good grade on that, too. I was, wow. <laughs> he got an A, so that was really good. Anyway, uh, I'm going to quote a little bit out of it because uh, it was r- rather enlightening. It says, uh, Jesus invited us to understand that we have a Heavenly Father who is filled with compassion, grace, and mercy and runs toward us, throwing his arms around the repentant sinner, granting us abundance forgiveness. Because of this, our sins do not define our identity, does not color our story, or determine our future. Isn't that profound? There is no person who is in need who is not in need of God's forgiveness, and there is no child of the king who is not the recipient of his father's daily, ongoing, gracious, merciful, and compassionate forgiveness. Boy, what would happen to us if we were not forgiven for all of our profound mistakes that we make in life, how we hurt others, how we hurt God? Now, one of the things that Jesus did at the end of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, he went on to clarify forgiveness. He said, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's the uh, Niv translation. But that's, that's interesting, isn't it? How God wants us to do something that's really profoundly against our nature. What is our natural response when somebody defiles us? We devalue them. What happens when they insult us? We get angry, and what is the first thing we want to do? We insult them back, right? How about when we marginalize them? Oh, they're not important. Their opinions don't matter. They hurt me, so it doesn't make any difference. I'm going to treat them with some contempt and bitterness. How about indifference? They don't matter. What does that do, what does that do to us? What does it do to them? One of the most profound things about this is it places us on the throne of our lives. It says that we are the ones who are going to judge whether they are acceptable or not. It is we that are going to decide whether they are forgiven for what they did or not. What does that do to our relationship? How can they be acceptable to us? How can we have a communion with them? Communion in the sense of fellowship, love. What does it do to our love? Does it not make it conditional? 
What would happen to us if Jesus said that his love was conditional? Boy, I'd be in trouble. So how do we do that to, to, to bring our hearts into alignment with God? Matthew 18:21 through 35, Peter asked this question. I'm sure that, that Peter, in his experience, was looking at and so, Lord, I know we're supposed to forgive, but how many times before I can hold it as a grudge in my life? And, you know, seven sounds like quite a few times. You know, how many times does somebody come to you and say, oh, I messed it up again, forgive me? And you do. But after a while, it would seem to get a little tiring. Well, Peter figured seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, I actually did the math. That's 490 times. So I don't know about you, but I can't hardly count that high when I'm just counting, let alone trying to remember how many times somebody asked for forgiveness. But God says, Jesus says, forgive. He goes on to to talk in this uh, comparison. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared as a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him and owed him ten thousand talents. Now, a talent is about 75 pounds, a fair amount of weight. A talent of gold is worth about one and a half million dollars, a fair amount of money. Seventy-five of those is worth, I mean, 10,000 of those is worth 15 billion dollars. Pretty sizable debt. Something that, I mean, I, I can't conceive of that much. Uh, maybe a Bill Gates might, I don't know, but uh, it is, it is perf- beyond measure, beyond really understanding for, for most of us. And yet, Jesus uh, and his blood paid the sacrifice for our sins, every single one of them, as a Christian. When we give our life to him, when we say, Lord, come into my life, forgive me for my sins, be Lord of my life, Jesus forgives it all. Profound. All right, so let me go on here. The since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. And the servant fell on his knees and implored him, Have patience on me, and I will pay you everything. This king knew that he couldn't. It was way beyond his ability. And he forgave him his debt. That's the picture of our Heavenly Father and Jesus and what they did for us. We have a debt that cannot be paid. Cannot be paid. And they paid it. And they forgave us. Person continues. That servant went out. And he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a denarii is about a day's wages. So it's not insignificant. It's about a hundred days' wages. Yeah, a fair amount. About the, probably the cost of half a car. And he seized him, and he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. So he is asking for forgiveness. Now, this is a fraction of the cost of what he was just forgiven. A fraction, a small piece. But what did he say? He refused. 
and when he put he refused and when he put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now back in those days there were debtor prisons. People could, if they owed a debt, could actually be legally put in prison until they paid. I'm glad they're not <clears throat> in existence today. All right, so when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they went to the master and they said all that had taken place. So now the king knows about a servant who was forgiven but was not willing to forgive. Now, the thing to recognize is that that was the full legal amount that they could charge him for, right? So, he, so he's now paying the price. Then his master summoned him in and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And you should not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. All right. With profound forgiveness and to be like Jesus, we're also expected to forgive. It's that same thing with the $15 billion of debt was forgiven. The other individual only had to forgive one incident, a hundred denarii, but he didn't. And he put him in prison that all should be paid for the debt. What is that? Separation from God? Well, it certainly damages the relationship. Puts him in darkness and bondage. Gives the enemy some authority to reign terror in your life. So, gee... So what happens? How does this all work? Now let's talk about it from kind of a more humanistic standpoint. One reason why we, uh, we do this is that we feel we've been injured. Well, the reality is we may have been injured. I'm sure that many times when we're hurt, we don't just think we're hurt because it's okay to think we're hurt. We actually are hurt. And we think we're right. And the truth is, we very well could be right. We could absolutely be completely and totally right. But when we put, our, put on that cloak of judgment, that, uh, that cloak of unforgiveness, what does it do to us? Well, it, it puts us in charge, and it takes us out of the relationship that we really have with the Father because of unforgiveness, and we start to entertain that. And so... What happens? And then how do we, how do we get out of it? Because we can't just forgive with words. We can't say, yeah, forget it. I forgive them. If you're still angry, you haven't forgiven from the heart. And that's what is being asked up here. We're supposed to forgive from the heart. What is he really saying? He's saying, forgive as God forgives. That's, that's, that is a lot harder sometimes than it would seem. And I think many times we, we, we mess up because we don't, we don't really think about the profound gift that we've received and how we're supposed to extend that. Extend that to our fellows, our fellow Christians, to strangers, to that crazy idiot in the car in front of us that just cut us off. Sometimes that could be the most difficult. What are some of the impacts of unforgiveness? 
All right, damage the relationship with God, we suffer. And you know what I found is that when we have unforgiveness, we don't just suffer because of that. Everybody around us suffers, especially the people we haven't forgiven, because we damage that relationship. We say to them what? We say to them that, gee, my love is conditional on you meeting my expectations. And it changes our relationship, but not for the good. We judge others. Uh, we put our, again, we put ourselves on the throne of our lives because Jesus says that he'll be the judge. So when we put ourselves on that throne, what does that do to our relationship with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit? It damages it. In Luke it says, in Luke 6:37, Judge not, you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be get condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Another restatement. But it's, it's worse than we have unforgiveness because we're also judging. And that judgment says that we are now condemned to be judged for everything that we judge that other person for. I don't know about you, but that's a scary thought. I think about some of the things that I've done in my life and how, how that can impact it. And also, we can't be deceived. God is not mocked because he is the judge and everything will come out as he, as he understands it and he will be just and he will be righteous and he will be correct. Is that we, God is not mocked for whatever one sows that he will also reap. And one of the most, imp- and I got a story I'm going to talk here about in a minute about a life experience of my own that I don't share very often actually quite painful to me. Uh, But unforgiveness can have a profound, difficult, and adverse impact on our lives, especially as we're growing up and and things happen to us that we we, uh, struggle with. Unforgiveness says, you unjustly hurt me, and you owe me a debt, and I will make you pay. All right. Now, my father, my natural father, passed away when I was 11 years old. And that was a painful experience as a young boy. My life changed dramatically. Uh, My mother remarried about uh, two years later. She married a, a man, my stepfather, who proclaimed himself to be a man of God. And he led our family as such. And I'm here to tell you that he was really and truly a wolf in sheep's clothing. Now you hear about that. He used God as a weapon because he used God's authority to get people to do what he wanted them to do. He controlled every aspect of our lives. This is something that you hear about periodically in cults where they isolate you because they don't want the outside influence to to bring reason to your mind. His love was conditional. We had no choice but to obey, and it was all law-based uh, or his interpretation-based. We were not allowed to have friends. Uh, outside family uh, members were also rejected. And there was just a few others that bought into this process that uh, we could commune with. We were all expected to work and contribute to his priorities. So from the age of uh, about 13 on, I had a full-time job. 
Uh, and every, all but $5 I made every month went to him and what he wanted to do with it. Uh, we had church every day, and every perceived sin was aggressively punished. No grace at all. And I experienced uh, numerous whippings with the belt and the switch. It was really bad as I have to go out and get my own switch I was going to be beat with, so it, it was never much fun. One thing that's interesting, though, that, that God is so profound. He, he makes provision even in the most difficult situations in our lives. Now, remember, we were in church every day. Every day we heard word of God. And this one comes, comes to mind. In Isaiah 55:11. it says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. I had no real understanding who Christ was. I had no model to actually to see that unconditional love and acceptance and grace. But I listened to the word, and I knew there was a promise. And I gave my life, excuse me, I gave my heart to Jesus. I was 14 years old. Now, that life existence continued until I was 17, and my stepfather decided that it was time to get me out of the house. He wanted, uh, wanted some more freedom than me being there. And so he forced me to enlist in the Marine Corps for four years at the height of the Vietnam War without a high school diploma. And I enjoyed school, but I had to quit. So I didn't graduate. My pr- uh, prospectus was a little complicated because realistically I would be a grunt, Infantry, I would be a ground pounder, rifleman for probably two tours, maybe three in Vietnam. But for, from his standpoint, it got me out of the house. Uh, that was a good part for me. Actually, when I was in boot camp, Marine Corps boot camp, uh, which is considered some of the harshest, most difficult training in the world, uh, I actually enjoyed myself. So <laughs> that'll kind of give you an idea how bad it was. I used to get in trouble for smiling all the time. I just didn't understand. He also contributed to the death of my mother. She was up on a ladder, painting the outside of a house, which was a terrible thing for her to be doing. He was older. He was quite a bit older. Uh, and, and crippled, too, on top of that. But, but she was out there painting the house. She fell, hit her head. Um, she had profound unbelievably excruciating headaches for three days before he took her to the hospital. Uh, they, uh, they analyzed her. She had an aneurysm in her brain. Um, before they could get it controlled, she passed away. You only visit her twice in the hospital. Um, and the totality of what he had done to me and the hardship he created in our lives and the difficulties really hit me full force with the death of my mother. And I reached a point of profound hatred for this particular man. And I swore and I vowed, never again would I trust a preacher. Sorry, Martin. No longer true. (laughs) Never again would I be involved in a church. Well, there we go again. I would go it alone and not trust anyone. 
I would make my stepfather pay for what he did, and I would never forgive him. That derailed my life. I did accomplish all those items, every single one of them. So let's talk about the consequences that, on that derailment. I didn't walk with Jesus because he couldn't be trusted. I didn't seek a better understanding of his word because it would require me to go to church and to read his word. I didn't trust him. And I wouldn't be found in a church. I did make my own way and I made many profound mistakes, had much difficulty. What I have difficulty with? Well, can you guess? Authority. I had difficulty with people, other people making mistakes. I was, gee, very law-based. I had many difficulties with my family relations, though I swore I would never be like him. Because of who I had become, my family's sitting over here, I, uh, I really damaged my relationship with them. I made life difficult because I had conditional love. I was judge, remember? I put, I put me on the throne. So my life was a mess with bondage, difficulty, and hurts. I finally started praying for help. My life got so miserable. Uh, I had so many difficulties. I had nowhere else to turn. So I said, I'm going to try God again. And I prayed. And God led me to a church. Actually, led my wife and I to a church. Uh, where I made Jesus Christ Lord of my life and all that that meant. I said, Lord, I give up. I'm going to turn you loose on my life and I'm going to give my life to you. And I was 51 years old. So that'll give you an idea how many years I lived under that. I understood early in that walk that I needed to forgive my, my stepfather for what he had done. I tried the words. You know, the words didn't work very well. I forgive you, stepfather. I forgive you, stepfather. I forgive you, stepfather. It didn't engage the heart. The profound hurt that I'd gone through, it, it, I had to go through a much deeper understanding of that. And I worked on it. I prayed. I said, Lord, help me. Help me understand what it means to forgive. So I worked on it and worked on it with God's help and the Holy Spirit, to get rid of that hurt and that anger that I still felt. It took about six months to go through this process. I had a lot of help from, obviously, God and godly people that he placed in my lives. And I had found out that I had to do a much deeper forgiveness than just the words. Yeah, I had to forgive him for all the harm and hurt he'd done to me. And I, and I was able to do that because I understood who I was in Christ that I had been forgiven, that I hurt my family. That's okay. I'm forgiven. And thank God my family has forgiven me. I had to forgive. I'm going to talk about what I actually had to forgive. I had to forgive my actual natural father for leaving me. That may seem silly, but when I was 11 years old, it changed everything about my life and set the stage for all the other problems that occurred. He didn't have any choice on that. He died of cancer, but it still had an impact. So I had to forgive him. I certainly had to forgive my stepfather for what he had done and the damage that he had done to our lives. 
I had to forgive my mother for the role that she played in not protecting my sister and I. I had to forgive God for allowing this to occur. Now that may seem silly. How can God do something that isn't right? But I had judged God for allowing it to happen. So I had to forgive him for that. And I had to forgive myself for not seeing the problems that I created in my life sooner, for not letting God have it and putting myself on the throne, and for the bitterness that it caused in my life. I knew in the end of this process that I had reached forgiveness from the heart, and I was free. I want to give you, I want to give you an idea of how deep that forgiveness is. I actually hope and pray that he found forgiveness because none of us are past the forgiveness of God and that I'll actually be able to see him in the kingdom. That's, and I hope that happens as well as my, my mother, my father, and my sister. And by the way, he has been dead for many years. Going through this process does not require the other person to be alive. It's between you and God. We all need forgiveness and are blessed beyond measure by the grace, forgiveness that we receive through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I want to take a few minutes and talk about what forgiveness is and is not. Forgiveness is not saying pretend, or pretending that we've been, when we've been hurt that we weren't. When we've been hurt, we have to confess we've been hurt and then take that hurt to God and let it go. Let Him have it. It doesn't relieve the, the others of their actual responsibility. I'm going to give you a real simple example. This actually has occurred to me where I've loaned a tool to somebody else. And when I received the tool back, it was damaged and not repaired. So I can forgive God, I mean, forgive the individual and take it to God for having damaged my tool. Now it's between God and him as to whether he does the repair and does what's right. It doesn't relieve them of their responsibility when I forgive. But it gets me out of it. It allows me to be free. Free to actually continue my relationship with that individual and not let it become a, a wedge between our relationships. But so often those things do. I can trust... Uh, oh, forgetting what happened. So often we say as well, to forgive is to forget. I don't know about you, but if you've been hurt very much, it's a little difficult to forget. And, and usually when we remember, that's when we feel that anger swell up inside us or that frustration. And when that happens, that's a clear sign that unforgiveness still rests in that heart somewhere. It's not a feeling, but a decision that we cannot fulfill without help from Jesus. And I want to talk on, the, on, on one other item for just a second, trusting when we, when we forgive somebody for a harm, if it's been egregious of, of any kind or, or dangerous, we can forgive them for what they, what they did, but that doesn't mean we allow ourselves to be re-exposed to that danger. God would not expect us to do that. Leave that to Him, but to take appropriate precautions. What is forgiveness? It's more than words. Next slide. It's more than words. It's a changed heart towards others, which we accomplish through the help of Jesus. 
we are really deciding not to hold the other person in debt, which means we really, truly let go of it. It's not my place to make them pay. We leave them to Jesus for judgment, not our own. Again, unforgiveness is judging, is it not? And not expecting God to go get them. I'd love that. Okay, Lord, I'm going to forgive them, so now it's your turn. Go beat them up. But here, here's the problem with that. If he'll do that to them, he'll do that to me. And I don't like being a nail. I don't know about you, but it hurts. It's actually quite painful. All right. Who do we need to forgive? Now, I'm going to ask everybody to take a pause here and just bow your heads. And I'm going to pray through this. And as I pray, I'm going to stop at points. And I'm going to ask you to just search your hearts for those areas in your life where the emotion rises up, the feelings and the hurt rises up. I'm going to ask you to start that process of giving that to, to, to God, to let Jesus heal your heart and to heal you of unforgiveness. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Please help us remember and deal with our unforgiveness. Bring to mind our childhood hurts and unjust punishments, tormenting from siblings and false accusations, injuries, conditional love, abuse, frustrations that have not been forgiven from the heart. We ask Jesus to help you and help us with these. Listen to the Spirit in you. Listen to the Holy Spirit. What is He telling you? Some of our deepest wounds and unforgiveness comes from our families that we hold over many, many years. Bring to mind any unforgiveness we have against our brothers and sisters in Christ, our current or past church leaders or ministries, those we have attempted to help but rejected our efforts when we were not open with our feelings to others out of fear and possible rejection. Sometimes sheep have profound teeth that bite so severely. Lord, bring to mind others who have not forgiven, that I have not forgiven. Neighbors, that driver down the street, who were not considerate. Or the dog that barked all night, and the neighbor that was irresponsible about that. For the harsh words that have been spoken to us, for cutting us off in traffic. An accident that we received because of somebody else's carelessness. Lord, we open our hearts to, the, to that unforgiveness for them, that that bitterness and difficulty in our lives can be let go. 
And Lord God, sometimes the most difficult of all is our forgiveness of you. Please, O oh Lord God, bring to mind when we have not trusted you, where we have judged you as inadequate, and for not believing that you would deal justly with others who have hurt us, that allows you to just to be the judge in our lives and not us. And most of all, Lord God, forgive us, Lord, for putting ourselves on the throne of our lives and being judge and sometimes jury for the hurts. We repent, Lord, for our unforgiveness. I ask you, Lord, that you convict us of any unforgiveness in our lives from this day forward and to bring it back to our remembrance that we can take it to you and leave it with you and leave it on the cross. We thank you, Lord God, for your blood that was shed for all of us for our forgiveness and for your reigning in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's going to close real quick. When we, it's okay, Martin. You can be up here. This is a takeoff of yours. When we say the Lord's Prayer, be authentically engaged and part of His community. When we pray together, we need to pray alongside each other. We need to pray with feelings. We need to pray with understanding of what it really means. And we need to be, pray this because we are a part of a profound Christian community called God's Church, Christ Church. We are the bride. And what a difference that makes in our lives. Amen.